Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of the Gregor's Ministries podcast. We're so excited today. We have John Paul DeRungs here joining us. And John Paul was actually at Rhema at the, around the same time that I was there. We were at prayer school a lot of times together. And, you know, I had the opportunity to talk to him. And, you know, when he was there, he was telling me, uh, even before I knew what he was, you know, called to do, he was like, you know, I just feel like I'm going to go to the Middle East. I feel like God's called me to to reach that part of the world and come to find out John Paul has been there multiple times in different countries. And so I know there's going to be a lot of people listening that are inspired, that are missionaries and want to reach the nations. And so John Paul, JP, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's an honor. Hey, likewise, it's a privilege. It's uh, exciting to come here today. And I'm really expecting that God's going to open doors for people. Yeah, I say that without uh, any cliche and complete sincerity. So I'm excited about it. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that are listening that really have a heart for the nations. They, they're they not just looking. You know, it's important for us to reach our city, our community, but there are people that are uh, called to go out into all the world. And so we are some of those people, and there's a lot of those people listening that want to reach the nations. And so we want to just give them, uh, you know, some background about really your story. How did you even start? You know, because you've been, you told me you were in Lebanon, Egypt, Iraq, Mexico, Australia, you've been all over the world. And so I just want to get a background because it didn't start out that way. You didn't just find yourself in these countries. How did you uh, begin your process? Or oh, your well, um, I'll try not to go into the biography. I'll give the <laughs> elevator pitch. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up and by junior high of high school, so near six of school, I was about 12, 11, 12 years old. My parents started making me go to church and going to youth group. And I despised it. Just did not want anything to do with it and dreaded every Wednesday night. I hear you. Yes. And so that was my life throughout those first couple of years at church. And I remember uh, things really started to change for me when I hit my freshman year of high school. So in year nine, they started letting kids go on mission trips. And I figured, oh, this would be cool. I'll just go hang out with some people down in Mexico and uh you know i was just a little 13 year old kid yeah. and like it was funny because we went to reynosa which i i've heard gotten has gotten a little rough but when we went down there i didn't know we we're getting ourselves into the hotel we stayed in there was a swat raid a couple rooms down you know and stuff like that and i just i didn't know what to make of this stuff you yeah. know but it was great because we were uh going around and it was my first time ever seeing people really do evangelism and open air preaching like yeah. that and i i felt like i was in a movie or something because i've always heard people talk about this um but i didn't know much about it and so fast forward um a, a little bit actually you know i should also say a precursor to that trip um i was starting to go to church and it was starting to you know really make more of an impact on me and i think i've said the sinner's prayer at that point about seven times because i did not want to go to hell and so <laughs> I believe that the places existed, but um, in my ninth grade year, I remember a gentleman, uh, he said to me uh, in other terms, but he said, listen here, smart Alec. And this is my youth leader at the time. He's, he's, he shared a verse with me and stuck with me in John 3, 3. And he said, um, as what Jesus was saying, he said that unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And I believed in heaven. I believed in hell. And I knew a lot about the Bible just by being forced to go to church. But I was like, what does it mean to be born again? And he told me, I'll tell you next week. And so I'm like sweating bullets for a week. 
And uh, I, I came back and he shared the gospel with me. And, uh, and that's when I gave my life to Christ that night in my room. And so by myself, I didn't have any lightning bolts or angels flying through the ceiling or anything. Just simply gave my life to Jesus said, all right, um, you're the Lord of my life. And that's when everything started to change. And so that trip that I mentioned in Mexico, they did it every single year throughout my high school. So wow. then I went on the next one. Uh, I remember we're praying for some people within the group and I can't, I don't know what happened. I started crying and just deep sobs and I don't know what it was, but I felt like weight got lifted off of me and, and, and I didn't know what happened and everybody else was kind of weirded out because the church I went to was a Baptist church. So nobody had any idea what was happening. <laughs> and, um, and so fast forward five years, I go to Raymond. I'm like, Oh, that's the baptism of the Holy spirit. Now I get it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but it was cool. So after that, uh, that's when things really took off and I'd start seeing people around me getting healed. Like, for example, I was at football practice in high school and a guy got rocked one time and he was concussed. I mean, he was, eyes were crossed. He couldn't stand up. And I said, Hey, I'm going to pray for you. He said, okay. And I laid hands on him and I just commanded healing in him. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was a mix between a Baptist and a, um, you know, Pentecostal at that point. And so I was all kinds of messed up. Yeah. So I just did it, what I read in the Bible and he just like shook it off and he went right back into it and he started playing again. He was fine. And so that stuff just started happening all the time. And I had mainly zeal without knowledge at that point. All I knew to do was read the Bible and do what Jesus did and what the apostles did in Acts. And, but it was working, you know, so that was great. Can't knock that. Um, so then fast forwarding a lot, I, I was in college and I started to look more and more into missions. And I went down to Australia. Um, this is way before I knew who my wife was. This was in 2011. And I went down there for about a month and a half with an organization called Crew, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ. And went down there and evangelized at the universities and got a whole nother set of things of how to organize teams and do outreaches and, you know, turning uh, ultimate Frisbee games into evangelism, you yeah. know. It was super cool. And so I'm seeing this whole new realm of how to minister to people. And so I experienced that in, in, in college and, and led some uh, other uh, crew events, you know, other outreaches and evangelism, things at my college at the time. Then I graduated and I didn't know what I was doing in my life. I was selling gym memberships and working as a real estate appraiser. And I went to my church at the time or a random church actually. And the pastor there, he's, he was given a leadership course and he said uh, to me, he pulled me aside afterwards. I didn't know who this guy was. He's like, you ever consider going to Rama?" I'm like, what's a Rama?" You know? And, <laughs> and so that, anyway, I, I looked it up and uh, that following May, uh, 2013, I visited and I remember the Lord, when I came back in, to Minnesota, where I was living at the time, he said to me when I was praying about it, he's like, you can, you can go wherever you want and make any choice you want. But if you go down to Rama." you are going to have everything you need. You're going to be like a tree planted beside a river. Yeah. Come to realize I've opened up my Bible later on. I found out that was a verse, you know, and I was like, that's Psalm one. Oh my gosh. You know, so it's super cool that in all my ignorance, the Lord was still speaking to me and then he confirmed it in his word, which is yeah. excellent. So I, I just felt complete confidence. And that's when I went down to uh, Rama in Oklahoma in USA. And that was in 2013. So I went there for a couple of years and um, I, I noticed that 
there's areas that people weren't going to because they seemed hostile. And this is when I just was thinking, man, somebody's got to go to like China and the Middle East and all these rough nations and go reach people for Christ because we're commanded to go. And I'm sitting here thinking, why is nobody going? You know, why is there so many people around me? You know, and I'm, and I say that with, with love and, and, and knowing that people are called to different places, but it's just, it seemed to me that there is a lacking number of people not going. And I just wondered, are people just not saying yes to what God's calling them to do? And I thought, I don't want to be that guy. And so I tried to submit to him and I was like, you know what, Lord, I'll go to places where bullets are being flung at me. That's okay. As long as the gospel is preached. And the very fact that I had that attitude uh, just shows the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in me. Because if you would ask me that question 10 years ago, I'm like, I like Walmart and green grass. So I am not leaving the U.S. You know, like the furthest away from any danger, like just keep me, I'll do whatever you want me to do, God, as long as I'm okay, prosperous, like (laughs) give me the house, give me the cars, you know, whatever. This stuff's great, you know. But, um, but it just, he started to hone in what was truly important and, and that's eternity and the spirits yeah. and souls of men. Um, and so that's what really started to get developed at Rayma. And I was so thankful for my time at Rayma because I really learned a whole bunch of stuff that and it, it was explained to me through the word of what was happening in my life prior and what could happen in terms of yeah. reaching people for the gospel and walking out in power and in, in confidence in the Lord and the, you know, the might and power and wisdom of the Holy spirit. And this whole thing is so refreshing to me because I've never been around a group of people like that up until this point. And so uh, that led to the point of me doing missions with Rama. And so I did the missions program that they offer uh, for a third year student. And that was where things really, uh, turned and, and became more serious for me. Yeah. And I was about 25 years old and it was exciting being around a group of people that really wanted to do the same thing. And I was thankful because not only am I seeing people do the work because they would have people come in and share with us um, that are already out in these places from Central America to South America, the Middle East, Europe, Asia, you know, every part of the world is being covered. Um, by these missionaries. And I'm like, wow, you can really do it. Even to the point of, I, there was people out there and I was thinking, what about kids? What if you had kids? There's a family that I know that they do Middle East missions and they have six children, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, geez, this is a real thing. Yeah. And, um, and so seeing that I was so encouraged by that alone. And then also just being realistic with what was going on because, um, you know, I, I'm starting, I'm 29 now. So I'm starting to get a little bit of seasoning on my life but barely any, you know, so I'm just, I'm still walking out in, in confidence of the Lord and zeal, trying to get some more knowledge and gaining experience. Um, but when I was going through this stuff, I was thinking, how am I going to reach these people? Cause you know, now I'm going not only just in an American culture, but I'm crossing over to something I've never experienced before. And even going and doing those Mexico mission trips, same story. It's, it's not, you know, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I'm from. And so, uh, so yeah, so this was great because when I went to school, they just started talking about this and posing questions to me of, you know, what would you do in this area? Like if you went down to preach to a native tribe and share the gospel of Christ and they're not wearing any clothes, how do you handle that? And I'm like, oh, that would be very jarring for some people, you know? And, uh, and for myself, it would have been the same thing because I've never thought of little things like that. Um, and so 
we, we I received all these all this great teaching from that uh, course. But then near the end of the year, we had this uh, end of year mission trip that everybody went on, but we all got sent to different places. Yeah. And so uh, this is where I was excited because it's like, sweet, I finally get to do what I believe God was calling me to do. Because like you mentioned, I really believe it's the Middle East. And I got to spend about a month and a half uh, out there and specifically in Lebanon and then uh, some time in Iraq as well on that one trip. Yeah. And man, that's where things, <laughs> it got real, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is not just like the dream scenario. Like you, you're facing reality. Like this is what missions really is. Like this is how it really looks like. Right. Right. And, you know, honestly, I was thankful because it was nice. I had people that I went with that had some experience out there. And so anybody is trying to get into missions and they really believe God is calling them to do it. Don't try and reinvent the wheel or to blaze a new trail necessarily. If God's calling you somewhere, go work with some people underneath you, because I think one of the greatest ways that people can learn is the master slash apprentice relationship. Exactly. So, and, you know, and that's obviously what Jesus was teaching in terms of discipleship. And that's, yeah. that's what we're going for. And so simply by being around the people that have already gone before you and, and have success, because obviously you want to emulate the people that are seeing God's fruit in their life. Yes. And so uh, with, with these missionaries, I was seeing that they're seeing people saved. They're going into an area where they don't even know how to speak the language necessarily right away. And, but yet they still go and, and the Lord uses them. They have a ministry started. People are coming to Christ and being set free from, uh, you know, cults and false religions and just atheism and all this evil stuff. And I'm like, I want to see what these guys are doing because it's working. And then how is that going to affect what God's calling me to do? How can I add that to my life and customize it to what the Lord wants me to do? And so that's what that that was the you know again trying to avoid the biography of my life but that's kind of where i went and then yeah. and and that led up to um everything except for the last five years of my life so that's that's the basis of how i went to missions experienced it over there came back and i'm like you know what now that i've gotten a taste of this stuff as a, an adult or just somebody making my own decisions i can do this yeah you know god is faithful and he's called me to do this. And he split the Red Sea back with the Israelites. And he hasn't stopped doing that stuff ever since. Yeah. He can do it with me too. And then after I experienced that kind of stuff on those trips, I, I, I felt uh, as long as I was under the umbrella of Christ, invincible. Yeah. You know? And that's something too. I feel like... Uh... I feel like God puts you on this like intense boot camp because, you know, I took the missions class as well at Rama and, you know, shameless plug here. If anybody feels called to missions, probably both of us highly recommend going to that course. You don't have to say probably. I yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a big intensive. And like uh, JP was saying, it is awesome because there's missionaries coming from all over the world that give you their life experiences, how they did things. And they also share with you how not to do things. <laughs> and so there are a lot of things that you learn and a lot of mistakes that they've made that you don't have to make because of what they're sharing with you nice. and uh and you know uh so guys again if you're if you feel like called to missions rama usa missions class is awesome for you but it what it does is it gives you an idea of what does cross-cultural ministry look like right and so you know john paul you were you were going into the middle east man 
And so a lot of times in our mind, we're like, we don't even have any concept of what that really looks like. Like, were you able to share the gospel freely? Were you able to guys able to have church freely or, or what was that like for you? Sure. Well, and um, since my wife and I have gotten to go to different places, we've really gotten to experience different cultures because it's amazing over there for people that are listening to the United States, our country's so big, how every state in the country is almost like its own country. Yeah. Um, and even in terms of culture, you can see that from going from North to South, East to West, it's different places. Same thing in the Middle East, the countries it's, they have their own culture. And so what I realized, for example, there's more f- nations that are more free and less hostile to the gospel and even embrace it. Yeah. Or the opposite side where people are getting persecuted and even martyred and killed for their faith in Christ. And so when I look at those places, I look at um, as one of the more liberal places you can be. And I use that sense where you're free to preach the gospel when I say that um, is Lebanon. And a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think that because they usually think of Lebanon as Israel's uh, uh, nemesis, you know, and it's it's funny because uh, my wife's been to Israel, but I never have. But I spent some time in Lebanon and I mean, you can go out and you can go out in the streets and talk about Christ and you can preach and you can do whatever you want. It's just left up to what would happen to you in terms of certain areas of the country you're in versus others, because there's plenty of Christian areas, whether it's people that truly follow Christ or they just have a label of Christian on their life because that's just a family trait. So it's not necessarily like government oppression as it would be just like cultural things. Yeah. Yeah. So the government there, unless things have changed, which everything is fluid, but that's been the most free place I've been to um, in terms of being able to preach the gospel. And also in Iraq, we spent a lot of time in Northern Iraq and up there as well as it's not as hostile to the gospel, but usually wherever Islam is, obviously there's going to be, um, opposition. But on top of that, in certain areas, they will sometimes try and squash out Christianity and any followers of Christ. And so that's when I transition over to Egypt. Uh, that is one of the most Islamic places you're going to visit. Yeah. And Christianity, it, it exists there for sure. But to give some um, understanding, there's even times where there's been terrorists um, that have taken uh, Coptic Christians and they pulled them out of a bus and they just gunned them down because they wouldn't renounce their faith in Christ. And this was recent, recent years even. Yeah. So that stuff still happens and it's legitimate. And so I remember when I went there, I was an empty headed guy. Um, it was only probably four years ago, I think is my first trip over there. And I was there with somebody and I was sitting in the cab talking to this guy who's an American and he's, he's leading me in to the nation, pick me up at the airport and we have a Muslim cab driver and he's using this weird language. You know, he's saying instead, um, he's like, yeah, so we're hanging out with our family and uh, we're going to go to one of the father's houses and just have, you know, have some time, just, you know, fellowship and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, what do you mean father's house? Do you mean church? And he just gave me the biggest death stare I've ever seen. Yeah. He's like, quit it. You know, he's like not here guy. And so I see like, I didn't know that kind of stuff. And so there's big, important things like that, where now knowing the hostility of the culture over there, how it can be, uh, you can, it's illegal for people to convert to Christianity from Islam. Like it's a law. 
Wow. Uh, because even your religion is a uh, part of your identity with the government over there. And so, and recently, and this may have changed again, because like, everything is so fluid, but at one point, yeah. So at one point though, people were able to convert from Islam or be becoming a Muslim to atheist. That was legal. And then from atheism, you can go to Christianity. Gotcha. So you, you know? got to go through like the, it's like a whole process. Right. <laughs> right. You know? And I mean, so yeah. even, even the enemy is messing with people through the government over there. Yeah. Um, specifically wow. and so over there it's a different deal because i'm used to being able to go up on the streets and just talk to people and be like hey man do you know what it means to be born again and people give you that weird look and be like oh yeah i'm born again you know and it's one of the easiest ways to evangelize is just ask them and 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 say that but over there it can get you in trouble and even you know you could get hurt because of that potentially and and persecuted physically and violently and, and other times you may not be able to, or it may not be a big deal. Cause I even prayed with somebody in Egypt. Uh, me and that guy I mentioned, we were out in the streets of uh, Cairo and we walked into the shop, talked to these guys at midnight and we prayed for him, which that whole thing is just trouble waiting to happen. You have yeah. two, two guys, two foreign Americans just walking around in the middle of nowhere slums of Cairo, Egypt, you know? So that's another point where you should be wise in your missions as well <laughs> you know so thank god we were protected but yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah so you can see in, in different cultures it's it's uh very different and, and that's only you know an hour plane ride away in certain areas and it can be a whole different world over there wow and and even uh down to smaller things since we're discussing cultural norms yeah um you know the the thing that was interesting to me was when I was in Lebanon and I was working with these people in, in some Middle East cultures, it's not uncommon that instead of, you know, giving the finger like we have in the U S you know, big insult here, if you guys aren't aware of that um, over there, showing the bottom of your shoe in some places is yeah. the same thing. And I didn't know that. And I was sitting there cross-legged, just pointing the sole of my shoe right yeah. at them, you know, <laughs> little things like that. And I'm just sitting there and I have no idea, you know, ignorant John Paul. And, uh, but the thing is, is they didn't bat an eye at it. They didn't think anything of it because they knew that I came there in Christ and in love. So that, so you can see how there's things where there's grace and forgiveness, especially when people know your heart and things. So even though you're doing uh, cultural gymnastics, sometimes you can, you can definitely make it through because if, if you're walking on the love of Christ, it's not uncommon that there's a multitude of grace, both for what we might do to them in their culture, likewise, what they might do to us and in, in our culture visiting. So well, I have to say that is pretty funny just because when I was in Thailand, it was the same thing. Okay. Uh, you couldn't show the bottom of your feet and I was sitting there with my legs crossed with my foot <laughs> out and it was someone would just like kindly came home and was like, Hey, just to let you know, can't do that here yeah, you're, you're flying the bird at them you know yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like really disrespectful but like again like you said like when people know your heart they don't take the offense but you know when you are being doing being a cross-cultural minister those are little things that eventually you're gonna have to learn oh agreed wholeheartedly <laughs> and it's gonna smooth out a road for you a lot of times because that's just one less thing somebody has to get over you know exactly and so when you were there in Egypt, was there like a language barrier? How did you handle, you know, talking and communicating with everybody? Was it where most people speak in English or did they have a different language that you were having to kind of learn and pick up? Right. Well, at this point, my wife and I were looking into options of learning Arabic. Yeah. 
and uh, we're trying to figure that out because that is the language of the land over there. Yeah. And um, but here's the thing. I still went over there and I barely know how to say anything. I can say yes, no and water, you know, like that's all I had going for me. And that was enough for me to survive on the streets in Egypt. Um, because thankfully, what's nice is uh, when you're doing missions, the main goal a lot of times for a lot of people, God calls them to go somewhere and start a work and pass it off to the local people. Yes. So typically, what ends up happening is, you know, you find some people that have the same heart for the Lord. You share the gospel with some people that give their life to Christ. And they become your right-hand men because yep. they know the culture, the language, and everything. And so even while I was over there not knowing the language, that wasn't a reason for me not to go and not to step yep. out in faith um, because the Lord has provided, you know, because there's people there that have gone before me and now I got a translator and even a lot of people, they can speak English. Yeah. Now I can speak some Spanish. So when I go to Mexico, it's great, you know, but it was doing me no good in uh, Egypt and Lebanon. I'll say that. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, so language is definitely a huge barrier. And I've heard many missionaries say, and and I've asked them that have been at it for 20, 30 years, the overwhelming response I get is if you can afford to take, take some time to learn the language, you can go out. And even if it's taking a year off to do that, uh, and, and, and that's what the Lord's calling you to do. Don't be afraid to do it. It's not a waste of ministry because if you're able to talk to people in their native tongue, it shows, it carries weight. It does. Um, if it carries, you know, it carries a whole degree of love and respect and, and causes them to put down more barriers to what you have to say in terms of the gospel. And that's what, something that Jim Andrews talked about a lot in those missions classes he was with. He said, like, for the first year, if you go to Peru or you go to any of those other places, he takes the first year out of what you're doing to go to a language school and right. to learn. Spanish. And so, and the reason is, is because I, I found this, whether I was in Brazil or, or Africa or Peru, wherever it was, if you can even communicate a little bit in the language, it opens a door of access into the heart of the people. Um, right. They have a certain level of respect that even if it's, they're laughing at you saying it wrong, even if you, you know, pronounce it incorrectly, just the fact that you're trying right. will cause an open door. And so, man, I, you know, just encouraging people, if you feel like you're called to somewhere, whatever it is, learn a couple phrases. Yes. John Paul was saying he knows, like, what was it? Hello, goodbye, and water. Like, yeah, I remember one of the first things I learned in Spanish was Dios te bendiga, you know, God bless you. And like, <laughs> when I spout that out, they think I'm some cute kid, but it worked, you know? Yeah. And when I went to Brazil, I learned bon dia, which is good, mor- good morning. Like, it's just a greeting. And I'd say bon dia to people and they'd look at me like, oh, like, man, you've made it. I've arrived. And so <laughs> what I did, you know, it's like now it's like whenever I did talk, even though I had a translator, if I would just say a couple of phrases, it would open a door where it's like, OK, you're trying, you're making an effort. You're not just expecting me to conform to everything you're bringing, but you're actually trying to bring something that belongs to my culture. Right. That that opens doors for people. And, you know, something I love is, you know, in a lot of those countries you were in, they weren't necessarily open countries for you just to share. And when I was in Raymond, Brazil, they had an awesome, they have a missions project and they're actually doing some stuff in Lebanon as well. Um, They said there are no closed countries. There are just strategic countries. I love it. So and what we found is that there's there's no countries that even if the government doesn't allow it, 
there's no country that the body of Christ is not finding a strategic way to get into in this time. We are as collectively as missionaries, as a body of Christ, we are finding ways into these countries, whether people hear about it or not. There's a lot of things happening in China. As I know you're well aware, we heard about stuff in missions where people were, maybe I shouldn't even say it, but they were finding ways to get, you know, Bibles and, and people underground churches in. And um, so there's things happening all around the world that we don't hear about. And so, you know, I, I feel like uh, John Paul, that's part of what you're doing. You're like, a, you're kind of this underground movement. And man, it, it's awesome. But you know, where, where do you guys have next? I know you, Larissa, your wife, she's from Australia. Yeah. So you had to yeah. learn a whole nother culture within your marriage. <laughs> and that, that's another topic for another day. Right. <laughs> but, uh, there. It's totally Australian. I'll say that. Yeah. Much. yeah. I haven't had the opportunity to go there. I hope to one day. I know you've had the, the opportunity to, to visit. So maybe I'll, I'll piggyback and I'll, I'll ask for an invite and, uh, but man, uh, so, you know, you guys working together now, and I know you you guys are parents now. And so what do you, I know that it, it takes a lot of wisdom to go to these nations that feel, feel and seem like they're closed off, especially, you know, being an, a new dad and, and having a family. But a lot of times I feel like we use wisdom as an excuse to stop us from taking the necessary steps to right. go to these nations. And so I know that you guys are going back. I don't know if you can tell about what your next step is, um, but you don't have to use names or whatever, but you know, what, what was that like for you to kind of say, Hey, I'm a new dad. I'm married now, but now I'm going back into these different areas of the world. Right. Well, I mean, the phrase that just keeps coming back is the greatest or the greatest wisdom of man is even faltering at God's foolish wisdom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even when God's taking a breather, we cannot even live up to that. And yeah. so my thing is, is I agree with whoever came up with that phrase of there's only strategic nations, not closed ones. I love it because yeah. that's the truth. And so in terms of my family, you know, the thing that was most concerning for me, I was like, where am I going to find a woman that's going to want to go to these places with me? You know, yeah. and I wasn't looking for her, but she showed up, which I was thankful for. Um, and so now we, we have a family, we have a little girl and we're pregnant. And so we got another one showing up in July. Uh, so it's just more, it just changes things. And so now, you know, we got our little girl's passport and all this stuff and having to get that expedited or expedited so we can go, we're trying to go somewhere before Larissa gives birth, but it's like, you know, trying to navigate that plus COVID and all these different things. It's like, geez with these travel restrictions because of all this stuff it's just so much more complicated i used to be able to just buy a plane ticket two days before and just go off to cairo you know yeah, like no big deal um and so now with this one i i think what you're saying is uh uh when people analyze things and and do it in a place where they're coming from just worldly wisdom and trying to even use good principles even yeah. If you're doing it with the absence of the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you're missing it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is because I've heard the Lord tell me to do some things that seemed impossible or foolish before. And uh, they pr proved to be true. Because I mean, even one time I was, we were doing evangelism back in Minnesota in the Mexican district of Minneapolis, or actually St. Paul um, in Cinco de Mayo. And I went up to a guy and Larissa prayed for him real quick. And I heard God say, 
hey, there's something going on with his back. And I'm like, is that me or is that God? I, you know, and I played that game for a minute. Yeah. And I, I just said, hey, you know what? I'm never going to see this guy again. I think it's God. I'm just going to say it. And so she said, amen. I said, hey, man, what's going on with your back? And he just gave me a look. How'd you know about that? I'm like, you know, on the, on the outside, I just said, well, God told me on the inside. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, just like, yeah. it was right. And, and we prayed for him. And the funny thing about that was, is he had other people approach him too about it and that had no idea. And I said, dude, God wants to heal you. So we prayed for him and he received healing in his back. And I said, is there anything else you want healing for? And he's like, well, man, I got this thing going on with my Achilles tendon. And I, I said, all right, well, let's pray for it too. God will heal you. He's like, no, 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 no. That's okay. I'm still collecting workers comp on that one. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, my point with that story is though, is uh, God calls us to do things that may just seem um, counterintuitive to worldly wisdom. Yeah. And so with reaching these nations, it's, you know, one of the things could even be, well, can you even go out there? Like, what's it like even trying to get on a plane now? Can you, you know, cause of COVID and all this stuff. And what if you get stuck over there, you know, and you, and you throw up all these things. And what about my family, especially being in a Muslim culture, what does that look like with me carrying our, or, you know, having a kid with us and my pregnant wife and, yeah. and all these different things roll through your head. And, and especially as a husband, you're like, well, I'm here to protect these guys spiritually, mentally, and physically in this nation, especially so how do I handle this stuff, you know? And uh, and so really what it comes down to is I need to know that what God's telling me. Yep. And I need to take that time to ask him um, because, you know, faith begins when the will of God is known. And that's super true. Yeah. And, and so in regards to traveling out to these places now, I really don't see a big difference um, from that perspective, from a godly perspective all it is is more hoops to jump through. So if that means I got to get my nose swab because of COVID or I got to, you know, do a special thing now, get a car seat for my kid for the plane or something, you know, I don't, I still don't know what to do on that one. So that's another thing I'm figuring out. Um, you know, but it's just like little things like that. It's, it's fine. I'm still called to go out there. I know that much. And, and even with us going out next, we want to do the language thing. So we really want to take time to do that. So we're kicking around the idea of moving out to a country and learning the language and just learning Arabic. Just immersing yourself in that. And, right. And, yeah. and, I, yeah, and I used to think, well, geez, is that going to be a waste of my time? Because that's a whole year of me just learning a language. Isn't there more to do? And the thing is, is, you know, you got to be obedient to what God is calling you in the main call of things. It's, you know, and there's so many different things that could be that, whether it's who should you marry or where should I live or, you know, what is God calling me to actually do? Am I supposed to be a pilot? Am I supposed to be a pastor? Am I supposed to, you know, all these weird and or not weird, but different things that could be involved in our lives. But once you get those main things down, you know, and one of the things for me is where am I supposed to be? If I hear the Lord telling me you need to go to this country, then I know that that's my goal and everything else is going to fall into place. So yeah. Right now, for example, more practically speaking, with one of the nations we're looking into is Egypt, and they have great Arabic schools. And so I'm looking to see what does it cost to live out there? You know, like what, what do I got to pay for an apartment or uh, for the language school? And how do I feed my family, get around town, all this different stuff? And so Google and missionaries. Uh, are you going to be your best friends and trying to figure this stuff out, man? Because, yeah. you know, I like what uh, Craig Hagen says at Rama between God and Google, you can find out pretty much anything. It's so and I, I can't say he's wrong. So, um, 
So yeah, so that's where we're at is just really trying to figure out the language. And what's nice is even while we're out there, there are Ramas all over, including in Egypt. Yeah. And we would be able to help out. And so that's another thing that I encourage uh, people that are wanting to get into missions. Just go with the main call that God has in your life. And he's going to fill in the rest of what he wants you to do in a certain area. And don't get ahead of them and don't fall behind them. So I know for me, my my tendency is to move pretty slow and uh, and make decisions and try and be calculated with them. My wife, she's a trailblazer, man. She just is like, oh man, there's something we got to do. Let's just go do it. And so between the two of us, you know, when we get a little bit in the flesh where I'm just kind of dragging my feet and she's jumping way too quick, we kind of balance each other out. So I'm thankful for that aspect. Um, but the Holy Spirit when we get into that sweet spot where we're listening to him, that's where we see the most fruit. And even where we are now, we live in Oklahoma. Back in May, we heard the Lord say to us, each of us, that you need to move down from Minneapolis to Oklahoma. And I'm thinking, why would we ever do that again? We can do missions right out of Minnesota. Hey, Ray, my time was done, man. Check <laughs> you know, it out. I love the people. Place is great. But I got, there's people that need Christ up here. What, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and it's just, and, but then it's like, and my family's he. Oh, you know, <laughs> so it's just like, and I, so there's all these different things. And one of the, and, and side note on that too, family, they may or may not support you in, in the call of God. And that's one of the hardest things that I think a lot of missionaries do have to deal with. And so as a side note in things, um, you never sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry. And at the same time, you have to make sure that you're staying true to what God has called you to do. And that's where the Holy Spirit and the word of God helps balance that out. That is so good, man. Because even, you know, my wife, she's from Brazil and probably similar to Larissa, she's had to leave some things behind, right. some creature comforts, some family things, some cultural things that they probably miss. But, you know, something that uh, just is inspiring to me is, you know, something that you said about how the fact that you have a, a daughter, you have a pregnant wife, but you didn't allow all those circumstances to cause you to abandon what God is calling you to do. So we can't just say, okay, here's what God's calling me to do. And here's all these circumstances. And it's a little <laughs> bit heavier than what God's called me to do. We've just got to just trust. And, you know, we, we came into our relationship with Jesus with simple trust. Right. And that's the way we continue our relationship with God. It's no different. You know, the same faith I had to accept Jesus, the same faith that I have to get healing or to have right. prosperity, or even to follow the plan of God for my life. And so there's many people that I believe that are listening that God's called you to do something. And you be, may be like me and John Paul, or maybe we drag our feet a little bit, and we're a little <laughs> slow to do it. But thankfully, God is merciful, and he has grace, and he's more than willing to help and give you the next step for you to take. And so you may not know what the next step is, but you know, like John Paul was saying, start, if God said, you know, I want you to go to America, maybe you're in Brazil right now and God's saying, go to America. Maybe he's telling you go to China or to Thailand, start researching the culture, mm -hmm. start looking at some of the ways that they do things, start looking at the language, start looking at some of the ways that you can communicate and start just taking a step. And something my parents told me all the time is they said, you know, it's a lot easier for God to, to direct a moving ship than one that's sitting still. Right. And that's so true. Like if you're at least going in a direction, then you're going to know the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you. He's going to say, yeah, that's not the right way. Go this way. And he'll right. direct you in, in the right way you're supposed to go. Well, and I also want to add in too, don't be afraid to make a mistake, people. Yeah. That's, and that's one of the biggest things that I had to get over. 
And a lot of wasted anxiety was on me just wondering, am I doing the right thing? Um, when really what it came down to is uh, there's a verse in Philippians and I'm going to read it. It's three yeah. chapter three, verse 16. And it's, it's just a little snippet, but it's, it's, it's awesome. And it, it was actually some I read recently and it just wrapped things up so succinctly. And this is Paul. And he said, in any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. You know, and so like, here's the deal. God's asking you to walk in the light that you have in front of you. That's it. No more, no less. And nobody's perfect. And we're always receiving from God the truth from his word and from the Holy Spirit. And so all God's calling you to do is to go with what he's told you at this point. So if all you know, uh, you know, like with me, I knew I was supposed to be a minister in some degree. I didn't know if I was supposed to be a pastor or uh, be a missionary or anything like that. But I knew I was called to do ministry. And I, everybody is to a degree, but it seemed as though that it would be more of almost a career for me. And I didn't know what that was at the age of 18. You know, I didn't know where to go from there. So what I did is I went to community college in the United States and I got involved with the ministry there and I ended up helping to lead it. And, and that just happened. You know, so all I did was simply go to school and I looked to uh, pour into the God, God's kingdom and share the gospel with people in any way I, I, I knew how to do at that point. And I walked in the light that I had and in, in the truth that I've attained at that time. And God produced fruit with it. And that's just how we progress in our relationship with God and, and with the callings that he has in our lives. They, they're irrevo or irrevocable. They, they don't go away. And so the thing we just need to be aware of is the timing. Because there's times where I've heard God tell me to do something or that something was coming. And I got out ahead of him and tried to make it happen on my own. Like Abraham being told, hey, you're going to be the father of many nations. But his wife wasn't getting pregnant. So he took matters into his own hands and slept with a servant trying to make that happen. Yeah. And that's not what God wanted. And, and it caused a whole bunch of turmoil and trouble. Similar with us, we just need to know what God's calling us to do just step by step. And Jesus Christ said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough of its own in Matthew 6. Yeah. So don't, don't fret. Just trust the Lord with what you have known or what you have received from him, what you know he's told you. And go from there and just know that you can trust and God's ability to lead you more than the devil's ability to deceive you. And yeah. that's, a, and that's a true saying. So have more faith in God and be able to live in joy and peace, as opposed to living in anxiety, trying to please God, uh, when he's going to get it to you, if you have a soft and humble heart. Yeah. And I think that's something that we just want to encourage everybody that's listening. Humility is going to open the doors for you. Mm -hmm. And what that means is saying, God, whatever you want me to do. Right. And it really goes back to consecration. Because even if I don't want to go on a mission trip or I don't want to go uh, be a pastor or I don't want to go be an itinerant minister, if I will humble myself, then God is actually going to create the desire within me to do the things he has made me and created me to do. Right. And so I think that consecration is a huge thing right now, not only, you know, for ourselves and for our generation, but the entire body of Christ is just saying, God, I lay down what I want, my ideas, how right. I think it's going to turn out what I think it's going to be. And I'm just going to allow you to direct me in the way that you have already predestined me to go. Right. Well, and I want to add too, because I assume the, the mass uh, group of people that are listening to this podcast are believers seeking to live for Christ. Just to make it simple on you. I mean, 
when you gave your life to Christ, you got to think of it this way. Not everyone who believes in Christ will be saved because we read in James that even the demons believe in him, but yet they shudder and fear. It's ultimately when you make the decision to make him the Lord of your life, that's when you receive Christ and the forgiveness of sin and the Holy Spirit can come into you and empower you to do what he wants you to do. It's the same consecration in that simple moment that you made to give your life to Christ as it is every single day to fulfill the call after that point. And everybody who's listening here is capable of that. And God has given us the ability to do it. So be encouraged knowing that, hey, no matter what's what happened in your life, his mercies are new every day. You can reconsecrate that morning and move forward ahead in the plan of God. And it says in Psalm 23 that goodness and mercy, mercy follow us all the days of our lives. So even if you turn around and just mess up, look what's waiting for you. His goodness and mercy to spin you right back onto him. So be encouraged knowing that he is faithful even when we are faithless. And uh, you can always fulfill the plan if you have that humble heart and willing to bow your knee to the master who calls you friend at the same time. Man, that is so good. And, and guys, we just want to thank you again so much for, for listening today. And John Paul, uh, do you, do you and Larissa, do you have a website or do you have a way or, or a ministry Facebook or anything that people can go on and find more information about what you guys are doing? Sure. Uh, we have a website. It's relentlessministry.com. And uh, we also have Facebook page, which is just relentless. And you can find all this information on my personal Facebook page as well as Larissa's. Yeah. And what, what we're going to do is at the bottom of the podcast link uh, or at the podcast on Facebook and Instagram, we're going to post that link so that you guys can just go to their website directly because guys, what they are doing around the world is so important and so impactful. And I just want to encourage everybody that's listening some of, the, some of the times when God's called you to be a missionary, the first thing he's going to call you to do is be a partner with those that are already doing it. And he's so uh, we just encourage you guys. They are awesome people to get involved with. And uh, so, again, follow that link at the bottom. And if you're watching on Facebook or Instagram, the audio version of this podcast is going to be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud. Uh, so go back not only listen to it again, but share it with some friends and family, because I know that this episode is going to inspire you and encourage you to go forward into what God has for your life. So John Paul, again, thank you so much, man. It was an awesome time. Thank you, Josh. It was a pleasure. And I believe that the Lord really is doing what we sought out to do. He's opening yeah. doors for people to step into their calling. Yeah, man. And so I'm excited to have you back on again. And maybe next time you'll be in Egypt, Iraq, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> But uh, it'll be awesome to have you back, man. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, brother. All right, man.